Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, The phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Andrew Kaplan, otherwise known as Andrew Cap. He's the best-selling author of the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read, host of Shatter the Mold podcast, and former marketing intern for WWE. All of my wrestling fans, you're in for a treat. Andrew, welcome. I want to know what gets you up in the morning. What do you look forward to when you wake up? So, you know, it's it's funny because it's not the experimentation because that's something where I'm introducing the possibilities. It's the possibilities that I don't control. It's where like, I wonder what kind of emails I'm going to get today, or I wonder <laughs> what kind of good news I'm going to get today. So for me, it's like, I'm excited. Well, first of all, you know, you get an email and you kind of tell by the subject heading where it's going, but you never know what the person's going to say. But, you know, when you get like really good news, I've been doing X, Y, Z from your book and I got ABC out of it and I'm really pumped. It's like, cool. It's like, can't predict how it's going to go or what they're going to say, but it's always really exciting. Tell me some of the best opportunities that have come from doing it. If I start to think about that, it's really just getting invited to uh, LLA summits, you know, different opportunities to speak in front of more people. But it's, it's so interesting because I didn't even think about it in that context. For me, it's more of like, just really pumped that people are getting the book, are using it, and are getting a result. So I'm sure, you know, ideally they're telling their friends about it, and ideally they're spreading the word. But for me, it's it's kind of like, today's actually, I mean, who knows when you'll publish this, but an interesting, fun thing today that I got, I didn't get approved yet, because, you know, there's a whole submission process, but I made my minimum requirement for monetization on YouTube. So I had been already past the, the subscriber count, but now I had to pass the watch hours, because... I haven't been as consistent. I should be doing a video every day and I haven't been. So it took a little extra to get there, but I was like, cool. I see, you know, anyone that's, you know, that's familiar with it's like the little meter. It's like, are you past it? And everything's green. I'm like, I'm clicking this button right now. I'm sending it over to YouTube. I'm getting it going just because, you know, I mean, money's nice. I, I'm not going to complain one bit, but it's more about if I am monetized, that means they feel good because they're making money. So they're going to get it out to more people. So it's, it's super exciting just in that regard. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pumped. Yeah. What has that process been like? Fortunately, there hasn't been much red tape yet because uh, this is the first chance I have to, to be qual, you know, to qualify and go through that. (laughs) To be candid, I love making the videos. I don't like editing them, but I'm a bit of a control freak. I have to be the one that does edit them because it's kind of like I was a mad scientist with the book and I was very intent on how I worded things because some, especially something like this with a bold title and a bold promise, you've got to make sure that the words land and that things click. So I'm very much a control freak on how the video is presented, even though it might not appear that way. You might watch a video like this dude put this together in five minutes. It's like I recorded it in 15 and I, I edited it for five. And I really am that intentional because even the, the small, minute, little things that might have a little extra weight or I might say something with a different inflection or tone of voice that might land in a different way. I'm thinking about those types of things. So the editing process is a little maddening, but the creation process, that's a lot of fun. And I can't turn off the valve, meaning there's always ideas that are popping in. I've always got like an app on my phone 
it depends on how fast my thumbs can go. If I think my thumbs can go fast enough, I'll type it in. And if not, I'm like, all right, screwed. I hit the recorder app button. I just speak into the phone because I'll have a floodgate of new methods, new names, how to explain it, how to break it down. And even if people have seen my clips, like what are good transition clips that are ideas from other things that'll move the thing forward. So it's like this explosion of ideas. And a lot of people don't know, I interned for WWE when it was WWF. And, you know, I was big on The Rock because I was always impressed with how creative he was. And I'll never forget where he was talking about, like, when he was in his prime, not just, you know, physical prime, but just in terms of his creative prime and really coming up. This is pre-iPhone. He always had a pen and a paper and he would always be writing ideas. So when I noticed myself coming up with ideas, I'm like, oh, cool. This is what The Rock did for his field. It's like, you don't turn off the valve, you don't filter it, you, you spit everything out and then you worry about it later. So I'm in that mode right now where anytime an idea comes to me, no matter how small, no matter how silly, I just put it down and then I let it sort out later. I let it marinate and I just make decisions. And sometimes I just combine stuff. And by that same token, if I get ideas from other people, I'm like, listen, I'll credit you, but can I share this? Like even my latest YouTube video, I think it's the latest one, either the first or second latest one, um, I did it on, on this thing called Living Vision Board, and it was inspired by my friend Stephanie, who did a Facebook post. I told her, like, listen, I'd love to share this. I'll, I'll, I'll link back to you and give you credit, but can I do this? She's like, hell yeah. So it doesn't have to be my idea. My attitude is it doesn't have to be mine. If I could put my unique spin on it also, but I am really excited about like my ideas, other people's ideas, as long as it's something that I think is going to serve the audience. Okay, that's the sweet spot. And that's where everything comes from. It only comes from saying, all right, this is a sweet spot. This is going to serve the audience. This is going to get them excited. Boom, I'm in. And that's all it really takes. I also very much now want to know about interning at WWE when it was WWF. Please yeah. talk to me about that. <laughs> so let's have our, our downer moment to begin with because it's a little surreal because the day that I started was, it was a Monday morning and it was a 12 hours prior, Owen Hart passed away in the middle of the ring because he fell 80 feet or something from the ring. So, and by the way, I'd been hired. Apparently they, they liked my personality because they hired me to be in fan services. So I was there to get the phones, to pick up the phones from outgoing things. And they didn't make me do the phones that day, fortunately, but I was like sitting there like a deer in headlights, like watching all the chaos. Obviously it was a, it was a huge PR thing, but the really interesting thing is I get there that morning and I don't know how much you know about WWE or, or the history or the types, but the first person that pops on the elevator is Howard Finkel, who's like this legendary announcer. And while he's talking to me and we're introduced, he's like, you know, introducing himself and we're discussing the elevator dings again and Vince McMahon comes on. So I'm not in the company like three minutes and I'm already in the elevator with Vince McMahon is the most surreal, cool thing. And obviously, you know, he's trying to put on a brave face with everything. So in this very Vince-like fashion, he's like, gentlemen, how are you? And it's like, you know, hits the button, very macho-like, because that's what he does, and just like saunters on out. And it was just the weirdest experience. But the really cool thing, the fun thing about WWE is the people there, at least at that time, they were so awesome and so cool and so creative and so innovative. But I also got to <laughs> go to uh, live events. So I'd be backstage with Stone Cold and The Rock. Since I didn't, you know, I wasn't answering the phones there, it was my job to go to get people from the audience on behalf of the Make-A-Wish Foundation to have them meet the stars. So I remember very vividly in Madison Square Garden, I pulled this kid from the crowd who had just had a heart transplant. And it was my pleasure and it was my honor and my privilege to take him back to meet Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
So it was a, it was a really fun, really interesting, unforgettable internship. And, you know, I'll never forget that summer. What an unbelievable opportunity. Yeah. How did that shape you? Well, you know, it's the funny thing, you know, we, we haven't even spoken about law of attraction yet. I beat 800 people, other people in that. And I did it on, on the strength of a certain level. I wouldn't call it confidence or cockiness, but a level of ease. Like I just applied and there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to get it. I called up just, some, I'm, I'm this random kid and I'm calling in and I, I don't remember what I said, but there was something seamless the way that I delivered myself, like the way I delivered my pitch, so to speak. And they're like, okay, send in your resume. I sent in the resume. And it was like this seamless process where I, I kind of talked my way into the room. And I remember sitting down to interview with them. And, you know, I kind of read body language, even at that young an age. And I can tell that they were liking what I was saying. And they, they were getting me. Each person, they'd get up like, okay, I have someone else I want you to meet. And they kept going up in ranks before I knew it. I was talking to the head of HR. And they're like, okay, we want to hire you. And PS, we want to pay you. I thought it was free. It's a free internship. I'm like, cool. You want to pay me? I'll take it. But it was really interesting because I only later on did I realize the level of competition. Only later on did I realize there's 800 other people vying for that spot. Similar to law of attraction, I was just had this level of confidence and ease. And I think that was a huge contributing factor. Even if you don't believe in the law of attraction in the way I carried myself, in the ease with which I delivered my message, in the ease with which I uh, expressed my personality and just demonstrated who I was going to be for them if they chose to hire me, which they did. Did you ever get in the ring? Yes. <laughs> so only one time. And it was really weird because you learn quick that there's certain no-nos. You know, you don't go, you, you could be backstage, but you can't go in the locker room. There's certain things that you just can't do. But I remember this guy, Hugo, he was like a, a bigwig over there. And I was, this was at Westchester County Center in, uh, in White Plains. And back then they were doing these give giveaways of these JVC Kaboom boxes. And he's like, Andrew, go out and bring this to the ring. And I'm like, okay, so I bring it out to the ring. And by the way, I'm coming from backstage and there's this sea of people like, give me the box, I wanna win, da -da. So it was very overwhelming. I put it and I like slide it in because again, I don't wanna get in the ring without any approval. And so it's, it's barely in the middle of the ring. Hugo's like, get in and push it in. So I'm like, all right. So I like, I get up on the apron and like basically like every hero that I had growing up at like professional wrestling wise, I like go through the ring to go through the ropes and I slide in the beginning. And again, I'm, I can't enjoy it 100% because I'm very cognizant. I don't want to be like, you know, taking in and, and being very unprofessional, but I did get little glimpses of the crowd. And I remember um, my father and my brother went to that event and they told me we were not expecting that. They were like blown away. I'm like, I was blown away too. It was a very weird experience. And again, it happened in a heartbeat. I was in the ring less than 10 seconds and I'll never forget it. But by the same token, I never really got a chance to, to take it all in because it was so fast. It was like a rapid pace. Oh my God. Like what did your dad and brother think of you having that opportunity? They, they were just floored. They were like, because for them, I think for all of us in our own ways, from our own perspectives, it was just surreal. You know, like I was 21, over a decade in our house, just watching professional wrestling on TV. And then one of us is like walking in there. It was just surreal. It was weird. And I remember that night distinctly also because The Rock asked me to help him with a match. He wanted me to kind of set up a, a closet so that he could throw one of his opponents in there. I asked Hugo, because again, Hugo's the boss and Hugo said no. So I didn't get to help The Rock out. But by that same token, 
I goofed because they were fighting by the stage anyway. And I saw like the curtain bouncing and I went on like human instinct and I opened up to see what was going on. And one of the other professional wrestlers, Bradshaw, he's like, close the curtain. He's like screaming at me and like, I'm sorry, dude. But for the second that it was open, The Rock and his opponent Midian were two feet away from me, not six feet, two, two feet. And The Rock took this water and spit it in his face right in front of me. It was this, it was like what I'd seen on TV right in front of me. It was the craziest. That night in general was the craziest thing I'd ever been through. And that was just one night there. I had been, at, I was at four house shows throughout that summer to say nothing of all the, the cool stuff that happened in the office also. Did you go on to like wanting to work there or in that scene? So <laughs> here's the funny thing. And this, by the way, is, is the folly of youth, right? I didn't know what I was going to do entirely. I always wanted to run my own business, but I my interest was peaked enough and they actually liked me enough that they called me back. They're like, do you want to do another internship? And because I was young and because I was brash and arrogant, and I wouldn't say full of myself because it's not like I thought that I was better than them or anything, but I, I, there was there's a certain level of like, you know, I'm worth more. I basically said I'd come back for a full-time position, not knowing, I was, I was young and stupid, not knowing that if I really wanted a full-time position, I'm supposed to accept the internship and earn my way in. I was young and stupid and, and I put that out there. And again, they're very cautious. Like if you've got any kind of attitude or you're perceived as having an attitude, they're not having it. So um, that, that ended real quick, which is fine because it was nice and I'm, I'm glad I got to do it and I would have enjoyed another summer, but ultimately I am glad I'm running my own business. I'm glad I'm, I'm my own boss because part of the fun for that is that it was fleeting. Part of the fun was that it was a brief moment in time where I had really just soak it all in and I got out before I burned out and I never got jaded on the business. I never got jaded in the company. So I have no regrets. And I do believe I learned a really important lesson of even if I'm not cocky, also making sure I'm not coming across as cocky. So I learned a lot of the lessons just right in that moment in terms of how I got in, how I presented myself and impressed them while I was there. And also how I insulted them enough to push me out. I learned it all and I have no regrets and I, I still value that whole experience. That is a really good transition into the hardest place is between our ears, right? And ego. Yes. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Here's the funny thing. One of the whole points of the book is that it explains a law of attraction. Yes. Like any law of attraction book should do. And ideally it also gives methods that are going to be user-friendly for people. But where I wanted to make mine different was to kind of tackle that situation of whether it's law of attraction or it's nutrition or it's weight loss or it's relationships or it's money or anything else. Why do we get these really cool ideas and why do we get excited by them and why do we try them even and why do we even get results or begin to get results and then we still quit? Like what, why? It is, you know, and I discovered through a lot of trial and error, a lot of personal experience, a lot of wins, a lot of losses. The way I describe it, the way I word it is we've got three minds. We've got the conscious mind, we've got the subconscious mind, and right in the middle, we've got what I define as the ego. And that's my turn. It's not a clinical term, obviously. The ego, as I define it, is that part of your brain that has only one job in this world, and that's keeping you alive, which is good or bad news, depending on where you are in your life, because that means whatever money problems you have, whatever relationship problems you have, or even whatever health problems you have, your ego knows you're alive right now and it doesn't want to risk the status quo. And that's the reason why, in my view, in my experience, and in my opinion, we have trouble 
getting a workout routine going. We have trouble doing simple law of attraction exercises, whatever else might be, because the way I often describe it is there might be someone out there who wants to be rich and famous right now, but for all their ego knows is when they get famous, they're gonna get a stalker and that's a threat to their survival. And for all they know, their ego knows is when they get rich, they're gonna get distant family out of the woodwork and they're gonna sue them for their house or something, something ridiculous, a threat to their survival. So this part of our brain that I'm describing or part of our mind, it actually loves you. It's a misguided attempt of protecting you. But because of that, that's why you'll work out three days in a row and your body won't be hurting too much, but your ego, that it'll be that voice that creeps and says, you know what? You worked really hard now. You can take a day off. You could take a week off. You can, it's doing whatever it can. Fears, uncertainties, doubts, arrogance, uh, overconfidence, lack of confidence, whatever angle it can take to keep you stuck in place. And just to give a long-winded answer here and answer to that, the best way I found to overcome that is to bypass the ego. Because remember, we have the conscious and the subconscious. Subconscious trumps everything. So if you can bypass the ego, access the subconscious mind through simple visualization methods, whether it's my book or anyone else's book, simple gratitude methods, those are going to feed the instructions depending on your beliefs to either the universe, if you want, if you believe in that, or your subconscious mind, if you understand that, or if you're like me, a combination of both. And by hook or by crook, then things will be set into motion where you will invite a lot of the results and a lot of the experiences that you actually want in your life without your ego being able to stop you. And the really cool thing is, once you get those results, once you reach that new level, your ego will see that you're safe then, and then it will fight tooth and nail to protect that level also. Do you battle with your ego? Me, no, because I know what my ego is and I know what it does. And for me, there's no point to it. For me, I'm a strategy guy. So the answer is, what can I strategically do that's going to cancel, like I'm either gonna cancel that or I'm not, but battling it is only gonna seat me into a point of struggle and uncertainty and, and it will get me any progress. I prefer instead to find methods that I actually enjoy, gratitude visualization. And I look forward to them enough that I do them every single day. And through that consistency, good things happen. Now I realize the ego is always gonna have like a little bit of a, you know, of a battle or struggle and influence that's gonna to try to get at me. I'm okay with that. For me, my attitude is okay. This is, this is like a plan of attack, or this is like a strat, this is like, um, you know, you're on the football field, you realize that that defense is always going to be coming at you, you still have to run your plays, you still need, you know, your play action, you still need to, you know, do a draw play or something like that. I just run my plays, I just do these methods, I just program the, you know, positive good feelings and positive good images, images into my mind. And I let that do the heavy lifting for me. What was the catalyst for that? The thing about law of attractions, I learned about it in 2004 when I was, you know, pretty young in my business and just getting started, it was just one modality of many for me. Like, and I was just because I think a lot of entrepreneurs and salespeople can relate to having to kill your own dinner. And, you know, you find positive mindset, positive modalities, things of that nature. And law of attraction was just one of many. And to be honest, it was very hit and miss for me. It was very inconsistent. And the way I describe it to people now is I learned later that I was the one who was inconsistent because it's like gravity. It is what it is. And I actually, I struggled with it for a couple of years. And then finally 2008 rolls around. And I basically, that business I'd been trying to run, I, I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. I quit. Oh, and by the way, my girlfriend of three years is really impatient with me. And if I don't quit, I'm going to lose her anyway. So I better just throw this away, which I do. I throw it away. And three days later, she breaks up over text anyway. Wake up on Monday. I've got everything. Wake up on Friday. It's like 90% of my life is gone. And I basically had to look in the mirror and be like, okay, nothing's working in my life. Something has to be done. What can I do? And I had this weird simultaneous moment of like an epiphany 
and a moment of, of stubbornness and indignation and defiance where I'm like, listen, that law of attraction thing that almost, that kind of worked. Now that I think about it, it actually did work when I was doing it and I didn't stop. So you know what? I've got nothing else going on in my life. I've got nothing better to do. I'm going to go all in with this thing. And I don't care about what happens. I don't care about when it happens, why it happens, how it happens. I don't care about deadlines or specificity or anything like that. I'm just going to do this because something has to change and this is my best idea. And when, when I say all in, I don't mean all day, every day, because I knew enough about myself. It's like, listen, no matter how mad I am, I'm going to burn out if I do all day, every day. But I can do what I had been doing when things were starting to work. I can do five or 10 minutes a day of gratitude, of visualization, whatever it might be. And this time I was pissed off and motivated enough to actually do it. And the results, now that I didn't care about when it would happen or how it would happen or anything like that, the results were like a movie. Like two weeks later, I felt better, which obviously is saying a lot with a broken heart. Within three months, I'm in a brand new way healthier relationship. Within four months, I'm making more money than at any point in my life before then. And within six months, everything's different. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm waking up happy and fulfilled. I'm excited. I'm grateful to be alive. And I basically learned not through a book, even though please buy mine, <laughs> not through a mentor, not through a video, but through my own personal life experience that whatever this thing is, and we'll call it the law of attraction, it works when you work it. And then once you get something through your own life experience, you are forever changed whether you like it or not. So I knew from that point on, I mean, if I want to get out of the habit, fine, but I know now that if I actually stick with it, good things are always going to happen. And I've, it, it wasn't until 10 years later or 11 years later that I even thought to write this book where I was like, listen, I want to do a fun new business. And to be candid, I don't want to be bored. I don't want to be impatient when a customer writes to me. What is it about my life that I could be really enthusiastic about that if they write me, I'm going to write back and I'm going to be excited. Oh, well, the most important thing that I ever used in my life to make my life better. I'll write about that. But of course, I knew that the space had like a thousand books, literally. And I didn't just want to be another guy writing another book. Hence the bold title, hence the bold promise. And hence me trying to position this and, and introduce it into space in a brand new way that ideally will give people a new perspective on this that they never had before. And we give them just that crack in the door where they can do what I did meaning they do methods just long enough to get a result. And then it's not me teaching them. It's not the book teaching them. It's their own life experience teaching them. Can you give me a little of the methods? Absolutely. A favorite one. I attribute this one the most to that money increase just because I, I focused a lot in that regard. And I call this one the time-lapse method. It's basically a gratitude method where you're going to write down 15 things that you're grateful for. Five of them are from your past. Five of them are from your present and five are things that you want in your future. Now, the hook to all this is you're going to write them all out in the present tense so that if you read that list to somebody, they wouldn't be able to tell if it's really happening, if it's real, if it's false, whatever. It's all in the present tense. And then you're going to jumble up that list. So maybe the first thing is a past one, but then there's a present item, then another uh, past and a future, all mixed up in any kind of random order. And then with that list of things in a different order, all phrased in the present tense, you're going to read through each one out loud or in your mind, whatever you want, one at a time and give yourself 20 or 60 seconds to feel gratitude for that thing. And the really cool thing about this is two thirds of that list is real. It either has happened or is happening. Therefore, the gratitude that you will feel for that thing as you're reading it out is gonna have a certainty and a level of confidence and a level of enthusiasm and a level of just excitement that you can't manufacture, that you can't make up out of thin air because it really happened. But because we as humans don't downshift very easily, the future items are also going to have that same enthusiasm. It's going to carry over. You're kind of tricking your vibration, so to speak. Or if, again, if you don't believe in the universe, you're tricking your subconscious mind. You're programming it that more deeply. 
basically what you do here is in addition to strategically inviting those things that you want in the future, you're also simultaneously feeling really good in the moment. And PS, if you don't believe in the law of attraction, if I'm lying or deluded, studies have shown that just experiencing gratitude on a physiological level alone will improve confidence, it'll improve sleep, it'll reduce anxiety. So no matter what, you doing something like this, you're getting a victory. And what you may not realize if you're not sure is there's an even bigger victory on the tail end of this as long as you're not trying to force it. And as long as you're open to wonderful things surprising you and happening for you. Now I wanna know about more of your victories that have mm. come from doing this. Here's the funny thing, I, I often joke because another thing that I teach people in the book is, is a thing called scripting, which is basically just journaling about your life in the present tense as if you're already living your dream life. So you write down whatever details would be in your dream life. And as an example in the book, I'm like, let me say me as an author. And I was like, I'm so happy and grateful that my book is, is selling so much. I'm so grateful for the four and the five star rave reviews and and, and now I joke with people, I should have just said five star reviews. I shouldn't have said four star because 11% of my reviews are four star. Those could have been more of the five star, even just the book. And, you know, even for me, this right now, this is for me right now. And my mind might change, but this is my dream life. Getting to sit down and relax and talk about this with people. This is my job right now. I get to make YouTube videos. That's my job. This is in and of itself a manifestation. And I was on an interview earlier today and it was more aligned with like, hey, Andrew, tell us about, you know, your philosophy behind marketing the book and tell us how else you're making money. And he was a bit surprised because I'm like, to be honest right now, even though I, I know how and I can do marketing consulting, I've done it. I can do copywriting. I've done it. I can make more products. I have a one or two, but I'm not going to make them unless I really think I could, they can serve my audience. The thing that surprises people is, no, the book is doing well enough right now. And if it wasn't, I could turn on a dime and make money in some other way. But this in and of itself, I really am living my dream life. I've got the, the faucet turned on and I'm having these wonderful conversations. I'm making fun videos. That, that for me is the best demonstration I can give you of how the stuff works because this is exactly what I script about and what I'm grateful for and what I reinforce in my own life. Hell yeah, I love that. Also, tell me about your podcast. So the podcast, believe it was very interesting. Before I decided to write the book, the podcast was almost like an experiment of, is this going to be fun for me? Is this something that I want to do? And you could probably tell just in this conversation, I basically gave myself a lot of permission to do and try whatever I wanted until something really rung true. And I'm happy enough with the podcast that I'm continuing. And basically, it's an entrepreneurial podcast. It's called Shatter the Mold. And it's basically geared for mostly for entrepreneurs, but anyone that wants to view things in, a, in an original way where it's like, listen, if you want to do something, the old status quo way, go ahead. But I am basically want to give you an alternative to groupthink. I want to introduce guests that will show you a different way of, do, of handling your health, a different way of handling your business, your marketing, your relationships, whatever it might be. So the whole podcast is just about giving people a new perspective on different areas of life by high level people that have already demonstrated that they've achieved that in their own way. I love the intro. It's mm. so well done. It Thank you. drew me in. Thank you. The thing about that is like when I made that intro, welcome people to go to shatteredamoldpodcast.com and give it a listen. The intro, believe it or not, I was a little bit more of an aggressive space when I recorded the intro because it's like, you know, I'd noticed friends and I didn't recall personal experiences where I'd given so much and I'd, I'd created so much value and there were other people that were kind of like wanted to, 
to take their piece of it, even though they didn't do any part of it. So if I remember right, part of the intro is like, if you want to basically like, you know, engage in who you are without a target on your back, if you want to think for yourself, whereas other people want to take what they think they deserve from you, I'm butchering it. It was a really good intro that I just butchered. But yes, it's more that attitude of this whole podcast is basically help you find different areas where you can level up in your life, wherever you want, whether it's your business, relationships, or anything else, because you deserve it. Because the hard work that you put in, in creating yourself and creating your life and creating anything else that's in your experience, you deserve to reap the rewards of that. You deserve to enjoy the fruits of that. And that's kind of like the attitude that I had when I put out that intro. Also, I'm very curious about some of the feedback that you've received. I mean, your book was Forbes 21 books to read in 2021. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I owe a lot to the enthusiasm of my readers because people tell me, and I, and I realize it's like the fact that the book, it sold like probably 60,000 copies at this point across different formats. A book that sold 60,000 copies should maybe have a hundred reviews. And this has 1600, the majority of which are five star. I think that it's because the readers have embraced the book as much as they have and have really given their enthusiasm and have taken the time out. Like, you know, it's really in many ways because we're so busy these days, it's asking a lot of someone to take time out of their life to rate the book, to write a review and stuff like that. I think because my readers have been so good to me, that speaks a lot to potential readers also. What is next for you? Right. Well, it's, I obviously painted myself into a corner for books, right? Uh, <laughs> no. So, you know, I never, believe it or not, I don't have any intention. Who's, who knows if I'm wrong, but I have no intention of ever writing another Law of Attraction book because the whole point is that this does it. But I am later on this month, I'm doing a featured chapter in a book called Ignite Possibilities. You know, I, I basically had a conversation with the publisher and before we knew it, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be writing a chapter for that book. And basically, you know, not to give it away, I basically gave you guys a version of it because I gave my origin story, so to speak, and that experience with the law of attraction where I finally got my act together. But that's really fun. But just in terms of more long-term, there's two things going on. There's one of this intent to keep, you know, going on awesome podcasts and, and talking with awesome people like you and to grow up the YouTube channel. But there's also this very open-ended, I don't have a five-year plan right now. I enjoy the ambiguity of things. I enjoy the open-endedness and the possibilities because I appreciate the fact that a year from now, I might make an entirely different decision. And I am purposely carrying that attitude of not worrying about what it's going to be in order to let the most higher good of me and, and, and everyone else kind of come to me through there. So immediately, just more of what I'm doing already. But, you know, past that, we'll just see what happens. Is there anything that you would like to ask my dad? Your dad seems pretty wise and no one is pretty wise. I would just love to hear his perspective on what kind of value he puts on gratitude, where he thinks, if anything, it might play into someone's positive life experiences. And assuming you hear the time-lapse method, a part two is an almost of a challenge. Is there any kind of method that he might want to do for himself hearing that in his life every day if he's not doing one already? And if he's doing one already, I'd love for him to share what he does and how he puts gratitude into his life every single day. That is a very thoughtful question. And I have not talked to my dad about gratitude. So I think that that's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to share about gratitude that I didn't ask you? In, especially in the law of attraction space, gratitude is like, a, it's a buzzword. It's just a word that gets thrown around. And I think when words and terms get thrown around, they sometimes lose their meaning and people gloss over the value and the impact of them. Um, I basically just want to reaffirm that if everyone took even 90 seconds a day to think of things that they're grateful for, the changes in their life would blow them away. 
And if you don't believe me, anyone listening right now, just try it. Because again, just like I said before, the physiological benefits alone, you're not losing here. You're not, you haven't bought my book. You didn't spend any money. You know, this doesn't cost you anything. And I've specifically chosen say, you know, 90 seconds or five minutes or whatever. So it's not even taking a lot of time out of your day. If you consistently find some kind of method where you look forward to doing this and you do it every single day, magic will be the only word you can use to describe for what you receive in your life, whether you believe in magic or not. Do you think gratitude is different with children and adults? I just think that in general, any emotion, positive or negative, children just being open and not having so much programming stuffed down their throat, so to speak, it's just easier for them to receive, to access, and to feel different emotions. When you do gratitude for five minutes a day, you will actually start to notice memories or echoes of wonder that you felt when you were a kid that you'd forgotten about. And all of a sudden you are accessing a level of confidence and a level of certainty and a level of ease and joy and relief that you would not would have expected. It'll take a kid one day to really get it rolling. It might take an adult one week, but trust me, the, the horse is not out of the barn. Do not let your age or any, any things you've gone through in the past stop you from doing this because the beauty of it is it really is that simple. It really is that easy. All you need to do is be motivated enough to give yourself five minutes a day to actually do it. And PS, big thing, the biggest mistake that people make in the context of the law of attraction is they'll do a method like this for the sake of getting the result. And they wonder why it's not working. And it's because when you're doing something for the sake of getting the result, you're doing it with the intent and focus of the lack of the result. You're reinforcing the lack. What you should be doing is the method for the sake of enjoying the method in the moment. Okay. We still have a little bit of time. If you want mm -hmm. to give me some other little fun marketing things you do. I'll give the, the biggest one. And it's almost cliche. The reason I believe that the book gets the attention that it does and you know the, the success is because I have built an ecosystem of value in the book. Meaning when I wrote the book, I didn't write it as a book. I wrote it as an experience. I know that sounds really pretentious, but like I wrote it with the understanding that page one has to flow into page two, into page three, all the way to page 280. I wrote that every sentence has to flow into the next sentence. I wrote it with the understanding that the beginning chapters have to be enjoyable in and of themselves, but simultaneously set up the foundation for later chapters when things start to really explode and like new insights and all these different things. But also there's a bonus link in there. So people sign up for the free, free bonuses. They're going to get a bunch of emails from me with all other stuff supporting them that they, they won't even like, where did that come from? And when people write to me, I write them back. Some authors don't bother to write back to people. I do. In all these different angles, I'm actually le legitimately there for the reader because I really do want them to succeed. Otherwise, again, why am I doing this? Your customer service is your best salesperson. When you treat your person, your customer or your client right, when you under-promise and over-deliver, when you find ways of adding value, even after the exchange of money has already occurred, even if you don't think they're ever going to pay you another dime, that's where the real magic and that's where, where, where the real power is. And I believe that philosophy, one, it makes me feel better as a person. It makes me feel like I'm actually giving value. But also, I do believe it, it really fuels the, the word of mouth on the book and the word of mouth, even on the YouTube channels. Like, Listen, I don't know if I like Andrew's videos or not, but I know he's going to keep trying. And I know that when he does them, okay, cool. He edits them for five hours. He could just as easily record for 20 minutes, edit for three minutes and put out like a, a mishmash or whatever. Dude, th that thing was 10 minutes and he, he edited for five hours. Like when you put that kind of blood, sweat and tears and care into something, you're going to get better even if you don't think you're getting better and you're going to leave an impression and hopefully a positive result for whatever you're doing for your customer or your client. Rena, you have the best podcast ever. 
all right? The best. It just occurred to me to say that right now. I don't know why, but it just occurred to me. Thank you for having me on. I really am enjoying the conversation. Oh, I love that. You know, it's really funny. My last guest who I just aired today, he was like, when I asked him if he wanted to ask my daddy a question, he's like, I'm not falling for that. That sounds inappropriate. <laughs> it's like, do I have to call him daddy? If not, then let's see what happens. <laughs> I really am looking forward to hearing his perspective on, on my question. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm going to interpret that as meaning I'm one of the best guests. So thank you very much. (laughs) Yes, you are. Okay. Let people know how they can buy your book, find you, connect with you, all that good stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make it super easy. I just have two links. One of them is lastlawofattractionbook.com. And that'll auto forward to Amazon. You can get on Kindle, paperback, audiobook if you want. It is on Apple Books also, if, if that's your thing. But if you don't want to pull out your wallet, that is totally cool. That's what the YouTube channel is for. You can go to youtube.com slash Andrew Cap. That's K-A-P. And again, I feature law of attraction experts. I have interviews there, but I also, obviously, you know, I I teach new methods and basically I just, I try to have like a lot of fun, present the law of attraction in a fun user-friendly way. And, you know, I welcome people to give that a shot and see if the content resonates. And either way, either link, I'm grateful for everyone listening and whether or not you buy my book or not, I'm grateful in advance for anyone trying even the method I presented in our conversation today, because I think they'll really get a lot out of it. I am grateful for you. Thank you. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. So what do you think about the law of attraction? It's very interesting, this interview that you had with Andrew Kaplan and Rena. And what Andrew has done was not worry about what this one says, what that one says. And I'm, I'm sure he does his own research. He's a good marketer. He's, he's well-spoken. He showed from an early age that he's willing to go for the gusto. That experience with the World Wrestling Federation, he said he was cocky. He handled himself well. He went for an internship job. Doesn't it sound a little familiar? Rena was going to try to get a job at WGN and ended up at the Jerry Springer show with an internship where she went for the gusto also. That's the thing. You go for the gusto and you you have a shot at it. People don't show the courage and the faith in themselves. You can't achieve anything. Uh, If you hide under the bed, you never get out. So the truth of the matter is, is that he went for the brass ring and then he decided that, well, I mean, I'd love to have a mentor on this. I'd love to be able to experience that and somebody to show me the way, but I I don't necessarily need that. If I have gratitude for some of the gifts that I've been given and I motivate myself and I try to have my experiences and learn from them and keep adding on to it, I have a chance to continue to achieve. So what he's done is he's put all of these methods on motivating and encouraging himself and trying to now share that where he's written a book 10 years later of all of the experiences of how he succeeded thinking outside the box and being gracious and having humility to accomplish these things. He has his own self-motivation by writing it down and writing down the things that he's experienced that he's grateful for, things that he's, he's living and doing now, and some of the things that he's looking forward to in the future. But what's very interesting is that he constantly wants to hear people's ideas. He's willing give them credit for it. He wants to see that everything fits. That makes you like a perfectionist where 
when you start a page, it fits into the next sentence, into the next page, into the next page, so that it has symmetry. And isn't that also what all of us want with our lives is symmetry, where it all fits and it all fits just right. You know, he asked me an interesting question. I have a very close relationship with the Almighty, with God. And like I said, there's a lot of communication he does with me through my dreams. And I am certainly have a lot of gratitude for that because he sometimes lets me do that soul searching and where in prayer you can uh, sometimes be delivered answers with that connection. And I have a very strong connection. So that's number one. But number two is that anytime I'm feeling down and trying to reflect on the ups and downs in my life, I take a good hot shower. And the first thing that comes to my mind is how lucky and grateful I am that I have that continuum of my grandparents and great-grandparents' legacy of continually build, rebuilding our family and our people, the Jewish people. And I just can't get over that I have 13 grandchildren. And I think about them every day. They make me feel better. It's something that I'll always be grateful for every single day of my life. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Hold up. 